the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. Politics, 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 history, history, and current events. Current events. And now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. The Michigan Wolverines men's basketball team pulverized the Maryland Terrapins 81-46 this past Sunday. Hunter Dickinson nailed 13 out of his 16 field goal attempts and six free throws to total 32 points. Plus, he snagged 12 rebounds and blocked a pair of shots, while Terrence Williams tallied 11 points, four successful shots, and five rebounds. Dickinson and Williams received some assistance from Doug McDaniel, Jet Howard, Kobe Bufkin, and Joey Baker, who combined for 26 points, 16 rebounds, 12 assists, and 6 steals. Michigan outscored Maryland by 20 in the paint, 11 in points off turnovers, 11 in fast break points, and 17 at the free throw line. In curling news, the Wausau Curling Club in Wisconsin will be hosting the USA National Championship from March 15th through the 19th. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And good afternoon. Hey, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, Ed. Merry Christmas. Yes, it is. It is. As you pointed out to me earlier, the Ukrainian... Uh, um, Orthodox. Orthodox. I had I'm to think of the right word. Myself. You see what I did there with yeah. Orthodox? I had to think of the right word because, well, yes. Orthodox means the right way. Is Okay. Well, that's cute. <laughs> What's that? That's... Any joke you have to explain... Uh, is, is still funny to me, all right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Derek's grinning. Uh, who else found that funny? Anyone? Derek's grinning. Okay. Hey, and last week we talked about New Year's. He's laughing at you. He's not laughing with you. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. There's a reason why you use visual comedy. You know, walking into a door, you know, you laugh at the person. It's like, yeah, Jerry Lewis was great at that. So was uh, Abbott and Costello. I love physical comedy. My favorite, especially band. when it involved live, especially when it involved uh, watermelons. You know, so. what's that guy's name? Yeah, Ferguson Gigason, the guy who smashed watermelons in his Gallagher. audience. Gallagher, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So last week we were talking about New Year's resolution, and uh, Derek I broke came up mine already. Yeah, I figured you would. Um, (laughs) You have no willpower. None. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Uh, His was not to interrupt the... (laughs) (laughs) Fair chance. Yeah. Uh, So last week, Derek came up with this wonderful thing that he was praying for for the new year, and that was to get kids out of public schools. We're going to be talking about that a little bit today. What, What caused you, Derek? What what caused you to come up with that as your prayer for this nation, for this state? What made that come to mind to you? 
because of the terrible results that have been happening, not only in U.S. elections, but state elections as well. There's too much progressivism going on all over the nation, whether it be fraudulent or not. And I just, I'm hoping that young kids in America get the proper education so that they can be able to make, to make, to make better choices and to, to, to be able to single out who these progressive candidates are and just not be able to vote for them at all and have freedom loving Americans holding American political offices. So what you're saying is for a child to be able to make an educated decision, he has to be able to be educated, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you can't make an educated choice without uh, being educated. And they don't want our kids educated. And um, the the system has really gone awry. Uh, my, my nephews, when they came up from Arizona, and I've kind of mentioned this before, when they came up from Arizona, they were insistent that the Holocaust never happened because they had a teacher that told them that it never happened. And so, you know, they spew the same thing that they get from the teachers. And that's what's happening today. Kids come home and they spew the same things that they hear from their teachers. And you know what their teachers are saying may not even be speaking to the curriculum. They're just up there giving their own views and they're indoctrinated kids with their own, their own progressive idealism. And it may not even be in the books. I know because I've looked at some of the books and uh, it's not saying what some of these kids are saying. So they're getting it from somewhere and it has to be the teachers. So we have to spend more time at home educating our own children, which brings mind, why are we sending them to school if they can't get an education there? I didn't want to interrupt you. You're not asking me that because <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you You're on a roll. Right. <laughs> um, so Actually, I, it's, it's, it's a very valid point. And, you know, it's, it's a two-pronged approach. I mean, you have to go to the school board and say, what the heck's wrong with you people? Where's the oversight? What are you doing here? And, and then remove them until stuff gets fixed. Yeah, well, here's the problem, is you have a school board that was elected by the people, and then you have the people that have been made progressive. So if you don't make them happy, if you live in a community where they're extremely progressive and you don't make them happy, you say, hey, here's the deal. Vote for me, and I'll make sure your kids do not get educated. And they say, yay! <laughs> you know, um, And uh, next thing you know is you have a, a school district that has gone totally progressivism. Not all of them. There's a few good ones out there. Ed, you were telling me about one earlier today or earlier on the phone when we were talking. Uh, that actually is trying to get away with some of this um, progressive view. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm looking up something here real quick. And one is Los Angeles County. Only 8.7% of eligible voters participated in the local school board election. I was thinking it would be as high as 20%. That's what I was going to guess That's at. sad. Yeah, that it is. Would go, I mean, 20% you would think would be, if that number was 20%, I would think that's sad. You know, what, what are we doing with our children that we do not show up for them? Here's a statistic. Here's a statistic that says 50.3% uh, in the midterm elections voted less than 15% for municipal elections and 5 to 10% for local school board elections. Yeah, we could overwhelm it if we got our act together and if we had pastors who mobilized their congregations to do so. Yeah, I mean, I, look at this. I got a statistic for you. Almost, almost 50% of all divorced people, almost 50% of all divorced people are women. 
Just thought you should know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other half for what? <laughs> uh, um, well, it depends on what they identify with. I don't know anymore. But uh, so, yeah, the uh, my point on that is sometimes you can take statistics and make them say whatever you want. But other times you get real statistics like the ones you just gave out, you know, um, and it's scary. I mean, it's easy to show that only, you know, 8% or 5%. What was that low percentage number you gave of, of the voters? Well, as low as uh, 5%, yeah. 5%. Yeah. You know, that that those are verifiable numbers. And, and that's using that's using an inflated rate, too. I'm sure. Yeah, that's due to inflation, right? You yeah. know, your, your th trick about the divorce, I was thinking, no, let's see now. I was thinking about Jesus' example. The Pharisees came to Jesus about the woman who was married uh, eight to several different brothers. So if she had divorced several different brothers, seven guys might have been divorced and only one, and they all left the same woman. So it doesn't have to be 50-50. You could have a number of guys or women who are you know, I asked, ruined that's by why one. I, I, yeah. I use the term almost. Almost, okay, gotcha. Well, yeah. that and, and now with same-sex marriage and everything else, who, who knows what's going on. <laughs> exactly. Or somebody might just, I know a guy, and he was a guy. Good for you. I told you to go out there and meet someone, and you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad I took your advice. And when he married, he was a guy. When he divorced, he claimed he wasn't, and he'd had the surgery to prove it. So what do you do with that <laughs> statistic, you know? Yeah. My wife worked for him. Oh, what a disaster. Oh. Oh, and he married a lesbian. After that, he, she married a lesbian, and the lesbian took all his money that he had left. Yeah, wonderful. It's a yeah. heartwarming story. Yeah. yeah, I can see that on the Hallmark Channel right now. Literally, yeah. I can see that being on <laughs> yeah, the Hallmark Channel yeah. right now. For Christmas, no less. Yeah, you know, as long as they got enough tinsel up, they, they can sell anything, right? <laughs> so back to education. Oh. <laughs> that was This was educating. Uh, you'd almost think that Joe called, hey, wait. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Hey, Joe, sorry, we, changed, we, we changed the subject before you got on, but uh, you can get yeah. us back on track. How are you doing, Joe? Yeah, I'm doing good. It's yeah, one of those odd cases now where I'm the one bringing you back to the topic. I'm pretty odd. You are, you are an odd case. Yes. <laughs> there is an exception to every rule, right? <laughs> yep, but, and you yeah, prove to be every one of them. Not everyone can... <laughs> Uh, afford to or has the time to if both parents are working and in today's economy with things so bad maybe they're both working two jobs they can't homeschool okay fine but like in my book terror strikes hope the wife of martin they send their kids to public schools but Along this theme, it's a sub-theme in the book, part of family values, hope deprogramming their children, spending time. You must set aside some time, like you said, to have their books go through their books and where their books are good and right, reinforce those points, and where they are wrong or where the teacher has gone off the rails and on their left-wing loon rant indoctrination manure, deprogram them. And, you know, say, no, this is not our values. And no, they are not right. And no, they are not adhering to what they are supposed to be teaching you. And, you know, 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I was going to cut you off the air when you said the word manure. Then I realized <laughs> you were talking about the education system, and I figured, well, that's probably one of the better words you can come up with for that. So oh, we, we let you go. I, I was <laughs> saying to Derek when I was, you know, as, when he was screening me, uh, uh, call out the bull, you know what, to your kids. Oh. But obviously you don't want to use that term no. when you're trying to deprogram your kids. <laughs> No, and I will say, Derek, if you were screening him, if you were screening him, Derek, uh, you didn't do a good job. He got through. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Love you, brothers. Take care. God bless. Talk to you later. You know, I I absolutely love Joe. He's he's fun to tease, and he takes it well. And, uh, well, he deserves it because he calls into this show. That's, and you too can call in this show at 734-822-1600. Listen to our show often. Listen if you're man several, enough. Listen to it several times for gifts. I don't know. <laughs> hey, folks, I've been uh, fighting the flu. Have you known anyone that's been dealing with this flu going around, Ed? It's terrible. I hear of them. They blame it on COVID. And I don't, oh. you know. Don't tell me. I, I tell you what, I've had COVID and I've had this flu is not COVID. All I right? didn't say you did, but right. I mean, there's, it's nobody gets the flu, dude. I mean, you know, you're so passe. I know. If you really uh, want sympathy, it's got to be COVID. No, I actually, I've, you, you know, I've, I've had to fight COVID before and I would rather be fighting COVID right now than this flu. I really would. Um, COVID was so much easier than this flu. And uh, I was actually hoping it would come up as COVID just so, because if it's COVID, I can't go to work. All right. I <laughs> wow. But, yeah. Well, there you go. So you take the home. I took the home test. It's COVID. I'm calling in. Hmm? Uh, no, I, that would require me to lie. <laughs> I mean, I did take the home test and oh. it wasn't COVID. So that, I'm surprised. I thought everything came up COVID in the home I, test. No. What cheap brand of test did you buy? <laughs> I didn't get the government issue one. The well, there you go. That's it. <laughs> that would explain it all. So, yeah, the, the reason I brought this up and, and, and Derek's little prayer made a lot of sense to me is we need to do something with our kids because they're not getting an education. And uh, I was reminded of that over the last week where I started. I was looking at going in for um, another master's degree and one in uh, informational sciences. And uh I'm going through school upon school upon school looking at the curriculum. And what I find is going in for uh, to study informational science, uh, the number one goal of, of most of the schools that I looked at, I found one that didn't, one. Um, uh, okay, I had another one that was the, the number two goal. But the number one goal for most of the schools was uh, teaching diversity, equity, and inclusion in informational sciences. What? What does what does that have to do with how you look at information within them? I, I don't get it. And then I started finding out this was in most of their degrees. I, I want to go and learn about informational science or I want to go and learn about medicine or I want to go in and learn about uh, how, how to make a canooter valve. Um, that's what I want to learn. I, I, there, I shouldn't have to learn about diversity, equity, and inclusion just to make a canooter valve, right? Well, I think if you want a job like Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre, you have to have that kind of an informational. I mean, that's the only information she can provide is 
that influenced by uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity. And I have to say, and I'll say it again, I like the way you take those letters and make them different than what the university does because they go with DEI and you go with die. And I like that and I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. It's killing our educational system. I have no problem. Listen, I don't care. And, and I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I don't care what race, what creed, what color you are. I, uh, if you do the same job as somebody else, you should get paid the same. If you are, if if you if you can do the job as good as somebody else, you deserve a shot at the job. Well, I, I, you have no career path in management. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, because and if if one person, regardless of race, creed, or color, regardless of race, creed, or color, can do the job better than someone else, the one who can do the job the best is the one that's going to get the job. Huh. You're right. Yeah. I won't make it in the business and career management. No, it won't happen because it's no longer about who can do the best job for the money they're getting paid for. It's not there, but that's coming up. In, in, that's, <laughs> I mean, it used to be so simple. It was just a boss's nephew. He got the job. Now the boss has to worry about whether the boss's nephew is gay, transgender, lesbian, or of color. Yeah, well, I'm not a big fan of... Uh, of <clears throat> Hiring someone just because they're family. I'm, I'm a really big fan of hiring the person because they can do the best job. You know? Uh, what yeah, a great notion. I, I know that is uh, frowned upon in today's world. And I know that uh, rewarding somebody for doing a good job is, is not good. You have to reward people that and recognize people that do bad jobs. And you have to boost them up by telling them how great they are. And give everyone a trophy. Folks, if you have an opinion concerning this, you can call in at 734-822-1600. We have operators standing a, by. Unless you've had a public education, and then you probably won't know what those numbers mean. So, <laughs> Well, I put them in my calculator in my, instead of my phone by accident. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> did you add, did, did your calculator It came rank? up a negative number, you know that? It came up a negative number. It was kind of weird with exponents, yeah. Yeah, which is another reason. That is the reason we have got to really fight for homeschooling. <laughs> so, <laughs> save save more people like Ed <laughs> who won't mistake their calculator <laughs> as their phone. Come on. We're trying to inspire people to get better education. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So... I found that, uh, yeah, let's see, th things I've heard uh, from kids coming out of our schools today. As I mentioned, the Holocaust never happened. That's wrong. And, uh, oh, Dad, I know I'm not old enough to get a tattoo, but I am old enough to go in and get my own medications and stuff and start changing my gender without your permission. How about that? You know? Yep. We live in a crazy world. And it's all because of our educational system. I Well, no, I'm going to take that back. It's all because of our parents allowing our kids to be indoctrinated in the educational system. Well, you parents know, they're standing what they, up. It's what they call the march through the academies that, that happened in the 50s and 60s. And uh, this guy, uh, a Marxist uh, Italian philosopher named Gramsci promoted this at the start of the last century. You know, imagine saying that, the start of the last century, and we're just talking about the early 1900s. But uh, the march to the, long march to the academies where basically all the hippies that uh, 
that were in the 60s who were doing all the pro protesting. Well, who's the, the terrorist? What's his name? Barack Obama's a, a friend and ghostwriter, um, Bill, um, Bill Ayers. You know, yeah, here you got it, an SDS guy, a guy who bombed, the, <laughs> admittedly bombed the Pentagon. You know what I mean? A, a, a basically a terrorist. And uh, Not basically, he's, he was. He's, yeah, that's what I mean by that too. And uh, so he's a college professor at the University of Chicago and a ghostwriter for a former president of the United States. So like, what the heck? This is what we can expect to come out of first. Now, these people are teaching college and then the colleges are teaching teachers and you dare not uh, uh, stand up and speak your mind if you want a good grade. So you go along with the program if you're not fully indoctrinated and now you're teaching the kids and it's all rolling downhill. So. Yeah, give you an idea of where this world has come from. Remember a few years back, a college professor forgot his wallet and keys and stuff. He had no identification, locked himself out of his house and decided he was going to crawl through a back window. <laughs> and police showed up and uh, caught him trying to go through and they, they apprehended him. And he raised a big fuss only because I'm black, right? <laughs> the, second, the second he showed that that was his place, he says, okay, you're cool. <laughs> Go on, but had 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 that actually been somebody broken in and the police didn't do anything about it, could you imagine what that college professor would have said? The only reason they didn't protect my house is because I'm black. And you remember that uh, Barack Obama himself had to get involved in the conversation, say the police yeah. acted stupidly, and whole, and then he then there was the beer summit. Remember the beer summit? Oh yeah. I mean, what stupidity on a national level, and we wonder why the schools can't teach our kids straight because we have those kind of examples. Yeah. So, um, oh, I was going to say there's a few. There was another thing. The Holocaust didn't happen. Oh, uh, Pearl Pearl Harbor, by the way, uh, was propaganda that Japan actually didn't attack. We just used that as a. I, I can show you a bunch of sunken ships. I was actually do color guard uh, out at the Arizona. And uh, that's an honor. It was a it was an awesome honor, uh, unbelievable. It's uh, hard to take that that job on color guard and do it without you with dry eyes. I'll tell you. I mean, you have. How to. did you get? How did you get involved in that? I'm curious. Out of your career field as a you were a, a flight I'm flight engineer. mechanic, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, flight engineer is where I ended up. Yeah, that's uh, what they call the plane mechanics. Yeah, okay. No, no, I actually sat in the cockpit between oh. between the pilot and the co-pilot. We threw we threw the navigator in the back little room because well he doesn't do anything. But <laughs> oh, I'm gonna tell my friend Jim, Jim Curtis, who was naval flying officer, that's what he did on PV Well you were on a P uh, I was on a P three. P threes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, was yeah. he on a P three? Yeah, yes. he sat in the little closet behind us. Yeah, we've had that talk before. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we tried. We tried to always shut the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until and you we guys realized both after, after of, one trip, after one trip, we realized there's no air chamber in there. You can't shut the door. It's not good. <laughs> you guys were both at a Jackson Naval Air Station too at one time. Really? Mm -hmm. I wonder if he was there when I was there. We had this conversation before. He wasn't. Okay. Well, I'm yeah. sick. I've got the flu. I can't remember okay. crap. I can say crap. I just can't say manure. <laughs> so, so, wait, wait, I may have had that reversed. You just, hey, <laughs> you just can't say. No, I can't say that. First of all, it's too high of a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, Education. Uh, yes. So I, my, uh, 
let me tell you about my experience with my kids uh, at uh, the public school systems. When they got out of school, I wanted to sue the school for malpractice. They, they, they learned nothing. And <laughs> I'm serious, they learned nothing. And, uh, but they, they came out and they were ready to work in a factory. Hey folks, we'll be back after these messages. Pastor Richard Dietering on Wham. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. Detroit Pistons small forward Sadiq Bay nailed the game-winning three-pointer at the buzzer to lead the Pistons to a 122-119 win over the Golden State Warriors this past Wednesday. Bay finished the game with 17 points, 12 of which came behind the three-point line and joined five other Detroit players in recording double-figure point totals. Bohan Bogdanovich registered 15 of his 29 points from beyond the arc. Jalen Duran buried all eight of his field goal attempts to total 18 points. Alec Burks amassed 15 points, plus he drained four shots and five free throws. Isaiah Stewart produced 13 points and 7 rebounds, and Jaden Ivey added 12 points and 5 assists. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. That's right, that's right, I'm sad and blue, because I can't do the boogaloo. I'm lost, I'm lost, can't do my thing, and that's why I sing. Give me, give me that thing. Stop him. Somehow. Somehow. We got to stop him. <laughs> you know, I was sharing a story with Ed before the show started uh, a few years ago. I'm a bird hunter. Yes, I kill birds and I eat them. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I know. It's a terrible thing. Folks, to the number is 734-822-1600. Thank you, Al. <laughs> <laughs> Operators are standing by. <laughs> uh, I was out uh, bird hunting, and uh, we have a lot of woods behind our property, and we got a lot of birds, and uh, I've got a big belly. So, so I have to fill that belly, so I kill birds. Get it? Um, so I was out bird hunting and uh, came in with my Remington, and uh, it's a Remington. It's um, pump action. Nice gun. really is. Uh, and... I was cleaning the gun afterwards, and I was just uh, emptied out the shelves. I'm sitting in my chair, which happens to face the front door. Um, and as I'm cleaning the gun, it's totally empty, and I'm wiping, wiping the sweat and stuff off of it and, and getting it ready to be put, put up in the cabinet. Uh, someone busts the door open. I mean, just throws the door wide open. Great big guy. I mean, this guy could have been the defensive line for the Detroit Lions, not a defensive player. The whole line. The whole line. Yeah. I mean, he filled the door. And he walked in. I'm sitting here holding this. So I push a little button in front of the trigger that allows you to ratchet it when it's empty. <laughs> and I just ratchet it. I go, click, click. The guy says, oh, wrong house. Turn around and I'm running away. <laughs> and, uh, and so I told that story. So the first thing he says, I need that sound. <laughs> he brings it up. 
There it is. <laughs> it's very distinctive sound, you know, and, and you know what it is when you hear it, you know. But then when he saw the gun and he saw that there was a barrel, I don't know what I would have done. I, I probably would have used it as a club. Um, he came at me because it was empty. It, I, it doesn't take long to cover a short space of. T- that's why I think that uh, Theron and the Cupkey had the right idea. Always have a gun nearby because it doesn't take a lot of time to cover the ground from the front door to where you're at uh, in the house. Knowing a good blade defense helps too. Knowing a good blade defense because typically they're coming at you with a blade and you need to know how to dissuade the blade. But yeah. Yeah. And if that blade happens to come out as a projectile out of the end of the gun, it's no longer a blade, it's a bullet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true too. Um, so yeah, it's just little little things I think of at the most well, that guy, moment. That guy had an educational experience, Fair. right? <laughs> yes, he did. And it was my <laughs> honor and, and privilege to, <laughs> to give him that educational experience. And I, and I hope he learned a lot. I um, love stories with a happy ending. <laughs> You know, you mentioned before before break. You mentioned about the. Um, I'm sorry. Did you say your daughters? Daughters. I said I wanted to school sue the schools for malpractice, um, <laughs> because I did, they did not get an education. But uh, they but came out. Go prepared ahead. to work at prepared to work at factories. Yeah. So, like I was telling you, um, historian um, Michael Katz writes the crusade for educational reform led by Horace Mann was not the simple, unambiguous good it had long been taken to be. The central aim of the movement was to establish more efficient mechanisms of social control, and its chief legacy was the principle that, quote, education was something the better part of the community did to the others to make them orderly, moral, and tractable. And I'd read elsewhere that Dewey was involved with this, and that the whole point was to provide a worker, uh, a workforce. A workforce, but I'm thinking of what drones, worker drones for the yep. shops, for the industrial revolution, people that could add, subtract, count, weigh, you know, that kind of stuff and make them moral so they don't steal from you. You know, and uh, I, I have to say, when I came over to this, to the United States, I mean, I was born in Gaylord, but my father moved me to Canada at a relatively young age. I was still, I think, for, for grade one. Um, and, uh, went to school over in Canada. Now I have to tell you the schools in Canada, um, were the public schools back then were where our schools are today. They were extremely progressive, extremely communist in teaching. Uh, but my, because of that, my father put me into a private school where they taught, uh, a classical education, taught logic and rhetoric. You, you knew algebra before you hit grade eight, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's a story behind that too. And uh, they, the idea behind rhetoric was very simple. I thought that people should be able to form an argument in their mind and make it to be an, a logical argument so you could defend your position, right? Our kids are not taught that today. You give them something that they don't know how to deal with, they just speak to the hand and put their hand up and walk away because they, they can't deal with logic. Matter of fact, logic is anymore is looked down upon in the schools. They don't want the kids to learn logic because if they can it's learn feelings, logic, it's yes, feelings, everything is subjective. There cannot be anything objective and logic is all about the objective, not the subjective. 
That's and my truth. Yeah. It's mine too. And yeah, it, but what it, makes your truth better than my truth? Because mine I can show on paper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty misogynistic of you. That's that's pretty uh you're showing your white supremacy there by it's probably a white piece of paper you're gonna show it to me on, right? You know, I can use a blackboard. I know that's racist too. Oh, you can use a blackboard. See, you can use something that's black. You definitely need a course in CRT. A CRT is so passe now. It's it's all DIE, you know, or DEI. Yeah, they're really good at the acronyms, but they're really bad at the logic. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's whatever the 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 uh, uh, operandus day is. You know, whatever of the day. It's yeah. it's. De jour, I should say. It's, you know, and they want to keep all this stuff flowing and changing because, for one, talk about a continuing education. You, now it's not good enough to be trained in CRT. Now you have to be trained. It used to be affirmative action and CRT. Now it's DIE. And you have to keep going so that you're on the cutting edge of this movement. And you've got to train everybody else to do that. And And, and then it gets so confusing to the parents they don't know which which target to jab at, you know. They're, we're still attacking CRT, and that's so yesterday. Oh, yeah. Well, you guess what? Not only today are they yelling about uh, critical race theory, but they're also now yelling about critical gender theory, critical legal theory, critical. There, there you go. they got a lot of critical theories out there for each group. Each group has their own critical theory now. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, and it provokes books too. So somebody can come up with that and then that all of a sudden they're on talk shows and they're making their millions and bilking their, their, their billions by book sales, you know, and, and then everybody follows along and says, oh, that must be real. You know, if the left would spend more time or less time trying to divide everybody into groups, uh, they'd find that this world would have an easier time coming together as a unit, you know, <laughs> but they don't want that. It's divide and conquer. It. It's divide and conquer. So, uh, yeah, I was talking about my time. And so I had this great education over in Windsor. And I will say it was great. It was fantastic. Back then it was difficult. It was hard. I, I didn't understand why I was learning things I'm learning. And now I do. <laughs> because um, when I moved over here, uh, it was culture shock, Ed. I, I was put into, I went from a public school that had a, a classical education into, I mean, a private school from classical education over to the public education here. Uh, and this was in the mid seventies. And so things were still kind of racially tense over here because of the riots and everything else just less than a decade before. And so they were trying to do stuff like busing and they were worried more about busing and more worried about starting the whole DEI, whether people realize that's where it started. That's where it started really moving is that whole whole thing um, trying to force people out of their neighborhoods to go to schools they didn't want to go to. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and but I came over here. Let's and, see who fought that. Did did Joe Biden fought fight that? Didn't Joe Biden fight school busing? And he didn't want his kids going to a jungle. Yeah, I was quoting him. So um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so uh, but I get over here and I'm talking with my counselor and she finally brought in the principal because I wanted to take, I mean, I took, uh, they told me I had to take algebra. And I told you I already had algebra by grade eight. Um, and he says, well, you need, you need two classes. You need algebra one and algebra two to graduate over here. And I said, you're kidding me. And he looked at me shocked. 
well, you need algebra. You can use algebra. So I understand that. But why am I learning this in high school? <laughs> you know? And uh, I said, I already know this. Now you, you need the you need the credits, so you got to take the courses. I get into the algebra course, and the class is being taught by a long-term substitute because the teacher for that class was out on paternity leave for the year. Um, <laughs> so for the year, she was out on paternity leave. So she was taking the semester, and uh, she didn't know what the orders of operations were. Oh my goodness! I had to teach orders of operation to the teacher who was teaching algebra. Now, over here, I think you guys call it PEMDAS. We call it BOMDAS. You know, it's, in the end, it ends with DAS. Uh, some say parentheses rather than brackets. You know, um, did you say the word? I did not. Oh, that's that dumb. <laughs> no, PEMDAS, BOMDAS. Oh, I, th <laughs> I thought you said dumb. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, no. No, I'm, I'm polite. I'm not like you, Ed. I you know, I had a. Like I do. I, I have a similar story in that I had spent 12 years in, well, actually 11 years in Catholic schools in this country. And in fifth grade, when we moved out to Carleton area, we couldn't get into get me into a Catholic school, so I went to a public school. I had Mrs. Fiedler, and I'm so glad I had her for a teacher because I didn't notice the difference. <laughs> But when I got out of high school and I applied to University of Michigan, there were some situations that uh, I didn't think I'd be able to afford and I just kind of dropped the ball. And the Dean of the College of Engineering contacted me in late August and said, why aren't you applying? We want you to attend. And I said, I didn't think I was gonna be able to get in. He says, oh yeah, can you come in? And uh, we wanna talk to you about you know your grades the last semester. They had dropped because of my parents' divorce. And so I said, okay, sure. I went in there and basically with a, a, an examination by him uh, across his desk, I bypassed the first two years of University of Michigan. For, you know, freshman yeah. and sophomore year, bypassed them. I, I want to say that whole that whole diatribe, what I got out of that is I got bad grades and it's my parents' fault. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm just, Freud, Freud I'm just saying there was a reason. My, know. my, my, you know. I, right. Yeah, I actually know you and I both. Well, we have a common friend in Mrs. Fiedler. Um, I knew her. That was the same high school I'm talking about with me, um, Airport High School. You know, and, I had her uh, in fifth grade before she moved on to the high school. I had her right. last year before she went to high school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I had. Uh, I went there my last year of school, um, and it was culture shock. I went in there, and then I, I told uh, the principal. I says, I also want to take drama. Now, I took drama. It's not drama. Um, for those of you who want to say it, it's not drama, uh, it's drama. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so <laughs> went to, I said, I want to take drama. And he says, why would you want to take that? Now, when I took it over in Canada, we studied Shakespeare. We studied Goldstein. We studied classics. You know, it, it was not, uh, it was not uh, what I expected over here. So... I end up taking the class over here. He says, okay, if you want to take it, but uh, this is where we send students that we don't know where else to put them. You know, this is where our special kids go. They take, they take his words, they take grandma. And what's grandma? <laughs> but um, went in there and I've got people sitting on the floor in a line pretending they're on a train. I mean, what's going on here? 
And uh, that that was. Uh, I loved my drama teacher, except that uh, he his hands were tied on what he was allowed to teach or not teach. And uh, Goldstein and Shakespeare was not in his curriculum. But yeah, it's uh, the sh the school system is a was a shock back in the seventies. And here's the here's the real kick in the pants, parents. The bad picture I'm painting of the American education system in the mid seventies. Back then, the education was a lot better than it is now. Um, and you're sending your kids to those schools. Should I at least do like, at least do like some parents do, and that is to, uh, I got a neck going on here. And uh, so you should check out what your kids are learning and uh, make sure that they're getting a proper education. And if you have to, put them into a charter school that will teach properly or a private school or a parochial school. I don't know why I keep getting an echo from Ed's board. So you um, did. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Actually, I lost my earbuds there for a second. I had to turn on speakers. That might have been it. Yeah, so they're off. It. So any any what's going on exciting in your life? We've got a few minutes left, Ed. What's going on exciting? What are you going to be talking about on your show today? Well, actually, um, it being the day after, because we broadcast on Saturday, I couldn't get a special slot on, you know, Friday. That's Theron had his show going. You know how that is. Yeah. He wasn't going to give up that time slot. But uh, it being the anniversary, the second anniversary of the January 6th uh, insurrection, you know, uh, I'm having a lawyer on who's representing January 6th political prisoners that's the first half of the show, and I'm I'm really thrilled to have this guy on here. I've been trying to get a number of people, and nobody wants to talk because they don't want to poison their case. But uh, Joe McBride's uh, willing to stand up as a Christian. He's a, a, a patriot, so uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. The second half, I'm having a, a former Navy SEAL team commander come on. He does uh, international, um, I don't even want to say espionage, international security work. He has a uh, firm that does that. And then he's also retired Los Angeles uh, investigator and he's specialized in bank fraud and uh, money money laundering. And so he's gonna come on and talk about uh, FTX, Ukraine and the Democrats. And it should be fun. Yeah, I'd be interested. You know, there's another fraud that's going on and you talk about bank fraud and he he's involved with this, right? I was preventing it. Not, not actually. <laughs> yeah, I had to spell that out on Facebook. He's he's highly experienced in it, but that doesn't mean he actually did it. Does yeah. it. No, he helped prevent it. Is yeah. uh, something, and I and I'm going to recommend people look into this because I know somebody this has happened to is uh, uh, title fraud, property titles, deeds. Um, mm -hmm. People are stealing other people's property from them, and uh, it's it's a real mess to even if you can get it straightened out, and they're forging false deeds, false titles to property. And uh, once it's in the books and stuff like that, uh, the proper property owner uh, doesn't know this has happened until it comes time for them to sell or something. And they find out there's a, another title holder on the property. And uh, so yeah, dealing with bank fraud, you gotta watch yourself today. Um, people, they, they, they cannot learn logic, but they can learn how to steal from you. Figure that one out. Well, you know, we were talking about prom uh, promotion of moral values uh, in the public schools to, to provide a good workforce. That seems to have, you know, run the wayside now. 
We don't right. we don't care anymore. It's just like if it feels good, do it because that's the crowd that's teaching now is the ones who were taught that uh, you know in, in the culture of the '60s. Um, and and there's something else about public schools too. There's no such thing as teaching in a vacuum, and there's no such. So we talk about well, we don't want religion in the schools. Well, religion is a belief system. And there's a belief system that drives many of the, the liberal teachers, well, all of the liberal teachers. Humanism. And that, that humanism, exactly. And any there's no absence of belief systems. Everybody believes something. And if public schools are there to promote something and they're paid for by the government, that's why we call them government schools, then they must be there to promote allegiance to the government. We used to say, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance to the United States, you know, but no, we're pledging allegiance. We're being taught to do what we're told by the government, by the authority figures. It used to be challenge authority and it's no longer challenge authority. It's no longer our government of we the people. The well, exactly. When we take the kids in school and force them to wear masks and force them to stay home, force them to do this, everything but an education. God forbid we should give them an education. I was, I'm going to say this, uh, I was privileged to be an interviewer in a, in a study. I got to interview uh, some of the people that had been put in prison, uh, in, in state prison, and tried, they were children who were tried as adults, and they were put in prison as adults, and uh, we were interviewing them. Now, I can say that the study was trying to show uh, that it was a bad thing. But what I'm founding is it wasn't a bad thing at all. It, it wasn't because the student I, the, the, the student, the, the prisoner I had uh, was thrown in jail because he killed his best friend over a pair of shoes. That was in the news over here. I mean, it was a big thing. And uh, he wanted his friend's new Air Jordans or whatever they were. And uh, his friend wouldn't give him up. So he killed him and took him. And when I interviewed him, there was zero remorse. What he was upset about is he was still incarcerated. Thought that was unfair. But he had zero remorse. Because he thought he, he was entitled to those shoes because he wanted him. I said, where did you learn that? He says, school. We, mm -hmm. we learned that we, we, are, we, deserve, we deserve what we want. And uh, if, we, if we really want it, just go out and take it. Huh, how about really go out and earn it, you know? And I asked that question, it was off the record because that was not one of the questions I was supposed to ask. Um, I says, well, why didn't you just go out and earn it? He says, That's so well, that racist, earn it. Come on now, we're talking about everybody gets a prize and you're talking about actually being meritorious and earning something. How, how you're bigoted, man. I believe in a meritocracy. What can I say? If you deserve, you can merit. say you're sorry. You can say you're sorry and repent. I mean, dude, come on. It's a, it's you 2023. Know, the, the thing is, a pastor, I, I can tell you, repentance. When if you're going to repent of something, you better believe it because if you don't believe it, you're not repenting. And therefore, I could not repent of that because I believe in a meritocracy. I believe you get what you earn, or you should get what you earn. I, when I go to work, I expect my paycheck. If I'm not doing my job, I don't expect my paycheck. If I'm well, really nowadays, at my job, I expect to be terminated. Nowadays, you earn I'll stuff be by being of color, by being of gender, by being of political affiliation. That's how you earn stuff. That's well, how that's your efforts are. 
And that's the sad part. That's not earning it. As I was saying, I, I was looking at uh, these colleges to try to get a degree. And what's really sad is when I was finding that the top priority of every one of these schools in my ongoing education and information science was going to be in. Now, information science has to do with data and processing that data and, you know, and where they want to go with it is, no, we're going to, we're going to help you better in, in your diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's not what I'm paying to go to learn. I'm going there to learn how to manage data, not um, learning how to imagine my emotions on how I feel, how somebody else is being treated or how I'm treated. I want to go in there and learn my job. Did you learn music appreciation? Because I did, folks. Music. I love you. I love you all. We'll see you. I won't be here next week. Ed's going to be covering me. So Ed will see you next week, and I'll be back the week after. Have a blessed day. You've been listening to a moment of clarity on Wham Talk sixteen hundred with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Be sure to tune in again next week right here on Wham Radio.